0: Just beyond the White House security fence, a construction crew cuts sheets of plywood and hammers them onto wooden planks. They're building a three-story scaffold. It's a viewing platform for the presidential inauguration on January 21st, when Donald Trump will become America's 45th president. If his wind still hasn't sunken in for you, the scaffold taking shape outside the White House should hammer the point home. This is Can We Talk, the podcast of the Jewish Women's Archive. I'm Nahani Rouse. Here's how the vote for president broke down for Jews. About a quarter voted for Trump. Most of the rest were Clinton supporters. For a lot of Jews, Trump's win signals a time of uncertainty. In this episode of Can We Talk, we're turning for guidance to three Jewish women who have spent their lives working for social change. Ruth Messinger, April Baskin, and Edith Klein, will share their responses to the election and how they're finding focus in this new political climate. On Pennsylvania Avenue, tourists photograph themselves in front of the White House's iconic columns. Around the corner, a line of people stretches down the block. They're waiting to get into the annual White House Hanukkah party, the last one hosted by the Obamas. Ruth Messenger flew in from New York to attend the party.
1: I meet her in line. This is going to be my last time to be in the White House. There will be Democratic presidents again, but by that time I'll be sufficiently out of the workforce, so I'm unlikely to be invited.
0: I ask Ruth if she thinks Trump will invite her. She doubts it. And if he governs the way he seems poised to, she says she wouldn't attend anyway. Ruth is the outgoing president of the American Jewish World Service, an international organization that fights poverty and works for human rights. She's now their global ambassador.
1: I've been doing social justice work informed by my Judaism all my life. I've been very happy at the last 18 years to have been able to say, basically, I am a social justice Jew. Ruth
0: also spent 20 years in New York City politics, including a bid for mayor in 1997, which she lost to Rudy Giuliani.
1: So my strategy for a long time is, like, you lose more fights than you win, but you have an obligation to keep working toward an ultimate vision. You won't necessarily see the end, but you can't refuse to participate. And this just feels like a sort of whop in the face reminder that that's the strategy that I will continue to pursue. That
0: whop in the face was felt by many women who hoped to see Hillary Clinton become the first woman president. Now, instead, Ruth worries Trump's victory might mean the dismantling of much of what she's fought for, but she's urging people not to despair
1: strengthen your determination for the long haul, but don't imagine that we know today which are the fights. I mean, they're like, I don't know, you name them, ten appointees that are appalling. There are a whole bunch of legislative and budgetary statements that they're making about what they're going to do. Things
0: like repealing Obamacare, defunding Planned Parenthood, or
1: scrapping the Paris Climate Agreement. We're going to be opposed to all of those. We're going to need to pick our battles. And all of us gonna be needing to make some compromises so that we can work together.
0: Ruth is strategic and practical, but she says sometimes she's also frustrated and overwhelmed.
1: But I have learned that I don't have that luxury. Like, I'm a very lucky person with a phenomenal family. I'm in a community that's extraordinarily privileged, and I wanna honor that privilege by doing what I can. Ruth says everyone can have an impact.
0: For example, by marching in protests and donating to righteous organizations, and by paying attention to the rise in hate speech and hate crimes.
1: That's a place where every person can be her or his best self. Look out for those incidents. Speak up if you see something. Don't be a bystander. And where possible, simply spend a piece of your day reaching out across lines of nationality and religion and race and class and be there for other people because for the Jewish community and particularly for the white Jewish community, which is not the whole Jewish community, we have to understand that by and large the victims or the earliest victims of this increase in hate and division in this country are not going to be us. And we need to be there for the woman in a hijab, for the people of color, for the Jews of color who have been feeling this split in communities for forever. And we have not always listened to them.
0: It's crucial that we listen now, Ruth says. Our next guest agrees.
2: Since I was young, I've, I've been deeply passionate about including those who are
0: excluded.
2: um, About questioning why someone is excluded.
0: April Baskin works at the Union for Reform Judaism, where she's the Vice President for Audacious Hospitality which means it's her job to make sure all Jews feel at home in the Jewish community. April focuses on the inclusion of interfaith couples and families, Jews of color, LGBTQ Jews, and Jews with disabilities. Her personal story has deeply informed her work. April is a Jew of color, her mother is Ashkenazi, and her father is African American.
2: So it's really interesting. I learned about race through witnessing the experiences of my father firsthand and seeing that his education and his professional advancement, uh, that none of that protected him from racism.
0: When April was little, her father was beaten by police and wrongfully incarcerated for a crime he didn't commit. The perpetrator was later found guilty and served jail time. April also experienced racism growing up.
2: I was called the N-word on literally a a weekly basis and had a variety of my Afrocentric features, either associated with things that were dirty or animals.
0: Even as a child, she says she had a sense that as unjust as these things were, they made her family stronger. Navigating adversity is wired into her people on both sides of her family.
2: Both as Jews and specifically for me, viscerally, being a woman of color in America and coming from descendants of slaves. Like, my people know how to navigate this. What, whatever's coming.
0: And she says she doesn't know what's coming, but she's concerned about the safety of vulnerable communities, including Muslims, trans men and women, and African Americans. She's concerned about the rise in hate crimes and the possibility of being targeted herself as she travels around the country for work. It's
2: not our money that's going to keep us safe or protected. And I know that as again it's just a person of color in this country. <laughs> I already I already knew that. I didn't have a false sense of security.
0: What are you what are you worried about for the Jewish community right now?
2: Like the black community in similar and also in vastly different ways. Our community has a lot of collective trauma that we've accumulated over millennia and just within the last 100 years with the Holocaust. Um, And similar to the black community, our community as a whole has never had a chance to really heal from that experience. Never had a chance um, to have the world turn and say, you're deeply sorry, to have a consistent message of validation that actually your life is valuable.
0: April references certain patterns and coping mechanisms the Jewish community has developed over time.
2: You know, our community is really good about taking action and moving quickly. And I think that that's a muscle and skill set that we've learned over the millennia, because our community has repeatedly seen that in a moment's notice, um, a broader Uh, culture, or nation, can turn against us. We need to
0: move quickly. That can be helpful in organizing, she says, but it can also be counterproductive when building relationships with other groups. In
2: that urgency, there's not a lot of room for pausing.
0: Pausing, taking time, and prioritizing relationships is important, April says. People from different races, classes, and religions often have different cultural styles. What some experience as acting with urgency... Others may experience as steamrolling. Learning, listening, and building in time to reflect can be critical in forming coalitions, April says, and these coalitions are going to be essential. No one likes when their candidate loses, but Edith Klein says the election of Donald Trump felt deeply personal. I, you know, just felt this, you
3: know, absolute. Uh, overwhelming, despairing fog unlike
0: anything I had ever felt before related to contemporary politics. Edith is the executive director of Keshet, a non-profit organization that works for LGBTQ rights and equality within the Jewish community. She's a queer Jewish woman, the granddaughter of Holocaust survivors, and a mom. Edith says she felt threatened by Trump many times over. That's part of the terrifying brilliance you
3: know, of, of Trump, that kind of our whole experience of his politics you know, ha- has been like this horrifying game of whack-a-mole in which you know, something comes up and you know, everyone organizes around that and then
0: somehow something even more odious pops up. Edith thinks back to some of the odious moments of the campaign, Trump's denigrating statements about women and his boasting about sexual assault
3: after a campaign in which there was so much attention you know to issues of gender in both positive and negative ways, and now, um, you know at least in the immediate aftermath of the election, you know that um, you know has faded from prominence in public discourse, you know, it certainly leaves one with this eerie sense of Kind of how could we go from that place of centrality and profound relevance, you know, to not being a part of the conversation?
0: Edith works with Jewish LGBTQ teenagers from all over the country who are feeling a renewed sense of vulnerability. She says all of these teenagers came out during the Obama administration. These kids you know came out in a time that even if they faced some personal challenges, they
3: had you know a deeply felt conviction that they were living in a time in which things were getting better um, and that this country was led by someone who was on their side you know and so now um, you know all of that of course you know feels um you know feels very different
0: suddenly overnight she says people are talking about not feeling safe you know we're moving as a society
3: to a state where you know we not only get to exist but we get to thrive and suddenly feeling like actually, once again, we need to worry about our basic existence. I think that's what the loss of power ultimately means. You know, but there's a silver lining. <laughs> Do you wanna hear a silver lining? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so the silver lining is that it is a time in which, you know, people, you know, are being activated and people are being mobilized. Um, and, um, you know, and, you know, and in my work, it's a time in which we're seeing Jewish, Jewish communal leaders that have never spoken out about LGBTQ issues, for example, suddenly saying, I know that my congregants need support. What can we do to send them the clear message that this community will stand in solidarity with them?
0: Edith sees this as a time of tremendous potential to strengthen connections, both within the Jewish community and more broadly. Back in Washington, D.C., Ruth Messenger has made it into the White House Hanukkah party. The elegant residence is decked out with glittering Christmas trees, and the U.S. Marine Chamber Orchestra plays a klezmer tune. Several hundred people gather for the candle lighting ceremony. Standing between President Obama and the First Lady is Rabbi Rachel Isaacs. She's there to lead the ceremony. Rabbi Isaacs was the first openly lesbian rabbi to graduate from the Jewish Theological Seminary.
4: Hanukkah is a festival that teaches us it is always darkest before the dawn and that it is not foolish or naive to hold on to hope. Hanukkah also teaches us about the necessity of re- rebellion. Let us engage in the work of Chanukat HaMedina and Chanukat HaEzrachut, rededicating ourselves to our nation and to the privileges and challenges of citizenship. The battle for the soul of our nation will not be one with swords or muskets or even verbal daggers. Because as Jews, we know the spiritual is political and the political is spiritual. We will illuminate our country by widening our hearts. Thank
0: you for listening to Can We Talk, the podcast of the Jewish Women's Archive.
2: The singing was outstanding. I think this was an exceptional group of voices.
0: Thank you, Mr. President. We like your voice, too. Our team includes Jewish Women's Archive Executive Director Judith Rosenbaum. Ibi Caputo edited the script. Our theme music is by Girls in Trouble. In this episode, you heard the thoughts of Ruth Messenger, April Baskin, and Edith Klein. For more podcast episodes, visit us online at jwa.org slash canwetalk. You can also listen and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. As you make your year-end charitable contributions... We hope you'll consider making a gift to the Jewish Women's Archive at jwa.org. We need your support to continue producing this podcast. I'm your host, Nahani Rouse. I'll see you again next year.